millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Good evening, Gabby. Good evening, TC. And welcome all to part 71 of our weekly podcast, The Curran View, with the Idle of Hillsborough, Mr. Terry Curran, and supporting the Jeff Astle Foundation. How are you, mate? Fine, thanks. And, I mean, what a great uh, foundation the Jeff Astle uh, Foundation is, because we're having a lot of problems with this uh, dimension, with these ex-players, especially the older ones, aren't we? Yeah, Yeah, we are. It is a... It's a great uh, thing that his daughter's brought out and, and fetched it right out into the public to for the public to be aware of all this. I think the only downside is TC, and I think Dawn would echo my words, is the fact that it shouldn't be down to Dawn Astle to highlight the plight of many players that have played professional football. It should come from the PFA and the FA. However, because they've been so slow in coming forward, Dawn's took that bat on and what a fantastic job she's done. And, you know, when you're looking at people of the year, Dawn Astle must be up there every year for the work that she's done for former players and, let's be truthful, players going forward as well because it it, it doesn't just end in the 50s, the 60s, the 70s. It's an ongoing situation with heading the ball. You're right, right, so, and um, I mean, what she has done has made it aware to, to, to not just a footballer here, she's she done it throughout the world. Yeah. People now are, are talking about it. And you're right. I mean, she's had to take this on herself. No help from, from the PFA, nothing. Mm-hmm. Um, and she's had to do all the hard graft. And now, yes, we know PFA are getting involved in it. And Gareth Southgate is, you know, willing to uh, be a guinea pig for it, to have tests and, and what have you. Which, rightly so, because now it's making everyone be more aware of it. But um, she shouldn't have had to do, uh, do it by herself. Uh but I am glad that she has done just to prove uh, how far behind the PFA is and the Football League are uh, and the Premier League are uh, for what uh, these ex-players have had to suffer over the years. Absolutely, TC, and, and really never, ever in the history of association football has there been so much money awash in the game. But again, sadly, that money doesn't seem to be going to the areas that 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 gives it to people that can impact for positive reasons. It does seem to go to the few. And as a consequence of the Premier League and the Super League hasn't gone away, football looks as though it's the rich getting richer and the poor getting poorer, sadly. 
it always seems to 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 do that uh, yeah. in in this country. I would imagine in majority of countries. Yeah. But I mean, when you when you take America with the American football, um, and, and the amount of injuries they get, uh, those ex players from yesteryear have been able to um, get a compensation for um, mm. work related sufferances and um, being disabled, whatever whatever way you want to put it. Whereas in England, it's just been, uh, you know, uh, swept under the carpet. Yeah. Uh, and it's, it's down to people like... Um, Don. Don Apple, yeah. Bringing it all out, fetching it, you know, to the attention of what has happened. Especially, and you're right, even in modern day football, you're still going to have problems with it. But the, those balls that Jeff played with when they were wet, you know... They were umdinging balls. I mean, they did hurt. I mean, mm. I, I think I'm the last generation of, you know, when I was a kid playing with those type of balls. Um, but something has to be done. And at least now, you know, FA and uh, the PFA and the FA have, are getting involved in it. How much they're going to get behind it, I don't know. But at least they're getting involved in it a bit. Yeah, the, the, the scenario now is you're absolutely right. Them balls that Jeff used to head, uh, especially when they were wet, they were like heading medicine balls. The, the the difference is, and what they're looking at as well, OK, the balls are much, much lighter now, but the balls are being whipped in twice, twice as... as, as um, probably twice as much speed on the ball that's been whipped in. So yeah. the impact of that, that heading of the ball... Is possibly just as bad with the lighter ball as it was with the with the heavier ball. But as I say, we wish them all the best in their plight going forward, and any support that uh, that Dawn needs, she knows that we're only ever a phone call away. And while we're on the um, the thread of players of yesteryear, TC, uh, let's dedicate this uh, this podcast to the memory of the Busby Babes. This goes out, uh, we're doing it tonight on Thursday the 4th of, uh, of February, so it'll go out on the 5th, but on the 6th of February 1958, we lost arguably the greatest English side ever, Manchester United's infamous Babes. Yes, I mean, uh, it was a tragedy. Um, it, it was putting together one of the uh, great teams of that generation. Um, players like Duncan Edwards, Dennis Violet, you know, Bobby Charlton, um, and Sir Matt, a great manager, because obviously uh, what he achieved at Man United, uh, the first English club to win the European Cup. I mean, Celtic was the first British club, yep. you know, but... Um, <clears throat> Brilliant and, and brilliant uh, as a manager, but sad, you know, for a, a set of or a group of young players for so many to lose their lives. It was quite incredible. I mean, there was, um, you know, Duncan Edwards, uh, Eddie Coleman, Roger Byrne, Mark Jones, yeah. Tommy Taylor, Duncan, uh, David Pegg, Jeff Bent, Liam Whelan, eight journalists and three backroom men. Yeah. Uh, Charlton, Greg, Scanlon, folks, Violet, Morgans, Wood, uh, all shaped United's future. And Blanche Flower and Berry would never play again. 22, the average age of the Busby Babes. And there's a great book. We're going to go into Book Corner uh, shortly. Uh, Seventh Heaven 
by uh, Colin Abbott, my mate Colin Abbott, massive Villa supporter. And it's uh, it's about the 1957 FA Cup final, which incidentally was the last FA Cup final that the Babes played in. And uh, so it's a, a wonderful book out there that I'm going to in-depth talk about uh, the 1957 final because I I think the Busby Babes should never be forgotten. They were the most um, wonderful English football team and I've got several books on the Babes and Duncan Edwards and although I am a Birmingham City supporter, I'm a general lover of football. So good night and God bless and rest in peace to the Busby Babes. Yeah, uh, here on that and it's like anything else. I'm a lover of Sheffield Wednesday but I'm also a lover of football. Yeah. Magic Moments TC, what have you sourced for us this week, sir? Magic Moment? Did you you see the goal the other night, that uh, the Wolves player? It's a fantastic one. Matinho, yeah, what a a strike. (laughs) I think think if the goalkeeper would have got his hand to it, Mm. it may have taken his hand off, or it might have taken him back at night. I've never... Well, the last time I saw a ball hit hit with that power, right, was people like... uh, Peter Lorimer, and can you remember, you may not remember him, Kroll, the Dutch player. Yeah, Rudy Kroll, yeah. Rudy Kroll. Mm -hmm. He was hit with so uh, much ferocity, it was was untrue. Mm -hmm. So that's my magic moment. There is plenty, but what I like to do is pick one out and it it sticks in there, you know, but there's plenty, as you know, there is that much, we get that much football now and it's televised uh, well, every day a week now, and we've got Chelsea and Tottenham on tonight. So um, there's that many magic moments you can you, you can you, you can highlight. But I like to say, well, I don't think you'll see a better strike of a ball again this year. I'm not saying you won't, but it'll take some beating that one. Yeah, there was uh, some fantastic magic moments in in all the games, and um, just just too many to mention. Um, I mean. Well, if you, if you take uh, Salah's goal against West Ham, yeah, you know the move from Liverpool, uh, the ball the ball from Shakiri and Salah killed it within. This is what these great players do, and this is why uh, English coaches have started got started got signing uh, players what's got a football brain mm. and technically technically gifted because other than that you know, they're going to fall by the wayside. That's why I was hoping that Frank Lampard and Gerard do really, really well. Uh, because for me, it could be the last of the generation of English coaches um, getting the elite club. So unless you're going to... Uh, I mean, the boy at Brighton... Um, oh, come on, Gabby, give me his name. Yeah, Graham Potter. 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 Graham, Graham Potter. What a result last night. <laughs> when he, Since he's come in to football and people's people keep reminding me that uh, Brighton are no different but they are different oh, they are they're much playing, much different they play better football they're yep. a better team to watch and he's had to he's had to wheel and deal to get type of players in to want to play that type of football mm. but he's got a chance <clears> to get a bigger club um, than any other English coach uh, in the game yeah, I like him, Potter. Uh, Ajaria, I love to watch that boy play for Reading. And, and Joa, the boy that used to play for Sheffield Wednesday, he's looking well, decent. Let me just interrupt you on that, because people again ask me about Joe when he was at Sheffield Wednesday. Yeah. You know, they were playing him anywhere and everywhere. Yeah. Even him out at team. You know, this is what I'm saying about managers. When the manager does not fancy a player, 
Right. The manager's got the right to pick and choose who he wants. Mm -hmm. And he hasn't got the right um, to make these players feel uncomfortable. Yeah. And I always said, people ask me, and I always said, look, for me, Jao's a great player. Yep. Right? We sell him. We, he, he couldn't get in team. Yeah. He might score a goal. Mm. You know, and it's the same as um, Jordan Rhodes. How he's been set by the coach, not Sheffield Wednesday, by yeah. the coaches of Sheffield Wednesday. Yep. It's been a disgrace, absolutely yeah. disgrace. I, listen, I won't beat behind the bush about it, you know. And you're right, that that Jow looks a different. Well, I saw a glimpse of him, which said to me, "What?" Said, I said to myself, "This kid should be playing at higher level." Yeah. Right, but we're never going to do that at Sheffield Wednesday because you're right. You know, it's amazing how they can go to, from one club to another and look a different player altogether. Again, I think it's a, the philosophy, TC. We, yeah. we talk about that a lot. And Reading play a decent game. They've got some forward-thinking players. They say that Ajaria, I'm a big fan of him. Joe's goal, I just thought, was sublime. His touch, his movement and his finish, he looks an absolute class act. And he, look, he looks every inch, every inch a, a, a Premier League football player for me, from what I've oh, seen of him. The kid at West Ham... Ben Rama. No, no, no. The the black lad who played for Sheffield Wednesday. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, oh, yeah. His name will come to me in a bit. Uh, plays right. down the middle. Yeah, Antonio. 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 Yeah. Um, Wednesday played again. Played him here, there, and everywhere. Yeah. He goes to West Ham, playing through middle, find his best position, uh, and he looks a class player in the Premier League. Yeah, he does. You know, I mean, Sheffield Wednesday. Not only do they always sell the better players, yep, they give away they give away good players. Yeah, it's incredible on, on the cheap. You know, I mean, how how, how Decanio, uh, the scenario of Decanio's uh, how it, how that was handled was atrocious for me. And I'm not sticking up for Decanio because what he did was wrong. Yep, right, and what uh, Cantona did was wrong. But look how Ferguson handled that compared to how Danny Wilson handled... Spot on. You know, and all players, you may need at that football club yeah. at some point. And if managers set players with a bit more respect and dignity, you know, the manager can only pick 11. He can only pick 11, mm. right? But I know how they treat him. And that will not change because I, I see it happening now. Yeah, it's it's incredible. There was a McAllister's pass for uh, Brian. He looks a player as well, well again yeah. against Spurs. That defence splitting pass. Ro Ross Bartley's header against Southampton. Thought that was a great headed goal. But him and, Jack, him and Jack look terrific together, don't we? Yeah, they do. I was a little bit disappointed if I'm if I'm honest. Last night, I thought Villa's midfield was uh, was poor. They looked leggy. I'm not going down the avenue if they're playing too many games because I tell you what, I thought West Ham were immense. You know, I've never been a massive fan of David Moyes, but when you look at that West Ham team that he's put together, they do look a good outfit and look a team that um, easily are going to finish in the top half. And and again, always been a big fan of uh, Said Ben Rahama. I was hoping that Villa was going to sign him because I, you know, been our local and our number one local team and it's only a hop, skip and a jump uh, from our house here. I'd love to go and see him more often up close, personal and live because I think he's an absolute genius of a player but sadly went to West Ham United and again looks every inch the Premier League player I believe he is. 
Well, I mean, if you take if you take West Ham, yeah, and they played against Liverpool, mm-hmm. the sat back, yeah, and David Moyes yeah. was talking about, you know, we're not ready to take. Why aren't you ready to take Liverpool on? Yeah, if they would have, they'd have beat them. They may have beat them. I'm not, yeah, we can't. Believe, but I I agree with you. Yeah, yeah. They may have beat them. Yeah, you know. Then they went and attacked Aston Villa. Yeah, you know. Uh, but Villa didn't. I mean, Villa absolutely battered Burnley and lost. Mm. Then they go and beat um, Southampton. Yeah, right. And then they had an off day. Uh, against West Ham but that's the worst I saw Liverpool play last night yeah I didn't see the Liverpool the game I was I've watching Villa for years you know it's not picking up and saying oh they've gone no, has nothing to do with that that's I mean you, I have spoke on this on this show before to, to have that consistency like they have had for three years yeah you know, it's, it's been phenomenal, absolutely phenomenal. But I mean, that last night, it didn't look like a Liverpool team. And I mean, the team selection didn't look like a Klopp selection. You know what I mean? Mm, yeah. It just all seemed, it seemed disjointed from the kickoff, didn't it? Sadly, Liverpool, you know, I mean, <clears throat> I say sadly, it's sad, sad for them, but they've they've had a number of injuries and injuries yeah, to key players. But, yeah. but Manchester City had this same problem last year. You could argue Manchester City have got a similar problem this year because De Bruyne is out again and, and Sergio Aguero, Aguero, Aguero has, um, has been injured and, and unfit for most of the season. And they've lost David Silva of course so City are, are, are down a third of their team but look champions and I did post up last night I think City could go on and win the treble this year and and in Pep he's a manager that you would trust to manage any team and when they do get rid of Southgate it would if I was the head of the FA I'd be having Pep Guardiola to run English football if I could beg Pep Guardiola to be the national manager mm. I'd be the happiest man, happiest man in football. Yeah, absolutely. Because it would prove a point. Mm. I, I get where people are coming from when he's at Manchester City and he's got the money. But listen, the greatest manager I ever played for was Brian Clough. Yeah. He spent big. He spent a million pounds. He, he, he broke the first million pound barrier. Yeah. You know, uh, so he, he spent big. Liverpool always spent big at the end of the season. Always fetching a new player when, when, when Shank was there and Bob Baisley was there. Yep. You know, so all these managers have spent big. Ferguson spent big. <coughs> Why did they spend big? Because the big players want to come to them, and yep. they want to play for these managers. Of course, they do. You know, and it's all right. Keep saying that you know Moyes and Allardyce don't get a chance. Moyes got the Man United job. Yeah. Right. And then what did what did we get with the Man United? Oh, he didn't get the money. He wanted to sign this player. I saw the player he signed in the. Uh, and I'm not saying the kid's a bad kid, a bad player. The one with the fuzzy hair, what the sign from Everton? Yeah, Fellaini. Fellaini. Yeah. He would never have Man United play, nah. it? Nah. You know, so don't give me that excuse. There's a, there's a, regardless of what anybody says, you know, the elite clubs, not only do they have to win uh, win trophies, they have to win with a certain style of panache. Absolutely. You know, when you're Barcelona, you your Real Madrid. I mean, Italy's a bit different because it's, you know, defensive for, uh, mindset, how they, they go about the, the, the Portuguese and the Spanish and all these other teams uh, play attractive football. And they but, always have 
I think the the Germans have been more like the English, but the, you know, with a bit more stronger and maybe a little bit technical than what the English uh, mm. produced. But um, when Guardiola went there, he changed the mindset. And when you looked at Bayern Munich last year, they looked absolutely unbelievable. Yeah, they uh, did. To want to win the uh, champion, the Champions League. But look, regardless of what I say about our coaches, there's nobody wants our coaches to do well better than me. I don't give a damn. Because mm-hmm. uh, I want the English to do well. You know, it's not... It's not as though, you know, if, if you say English, oh, it, you're being racist. No, I'm not being racist. Mm. I want foreign coaches in there. I want foreign players in there. Absolutely. I, I said to be foreign players. In fact, the foreign coaches have improved our players tenfold. Yeah, and our foreign players as well. But we want to see English homegrown talent come to the front and we want to see them pick for the England national team and we want to see our national Somebody team do me. well. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. Complete playing attractive and, you know, uh, look as though we are going to win. Yeah. Uh, instead of saying, oh, well, we've done well to get to a quarter final. No, we haven't. Half the teams you play are non diplomed teams. Yeah. Absolutely. What the most, it's like Capello comes in, all the experience in the world wins, won practically everything. That was that English team under Capello was absolutely garbage, and yeah. the same with Sven Govin Eriksson. All the, all the experience in the world. Yeah. You know, we want to we want to be able to compete, and we want to be able to play the, a football. What you think? Well, hang on, we have got a chance. Not that, uh, well, we're playing well. No, we're not playing well because all these. When we qualify, we don't play any great nations, do we? And they'll say, "Well, he's won his mm-hmm. last game." With those type, of, with the players that England's got playing against, you know, Slovakia's and these type of teams, if they can't beat them, we should pack in anyway. We've had some really easy qualification groups of late for both the Euros and for the World Cup. And you're right, we could get probably a mid-table championship team to qualify. Yeah. And that's England's problem. They've had it too easy in qualification. Come up against someone decent and get beat. When we when we get through to these finals, so the, the, the first early rounds again, we don't get top teams. You know, you get one. No, all, get one the problem is they're all seeded these days. So yeah, yeah. you're supposed to get out that group. And then once you actually, the first time you play anybody any good, we seem to get beat, which is generally the quarterfinals. Well, well, I think what it is, when we play anybody what's got technical ability, mm-hmm. we have no chance. You can see yeah. the, prayer, the, play, the, the prayers look to me as though they're embarrassed mm-hmm. when the players see and they're fearful of the two things. They're fearful of getting beat, but they're fearful of, you know, because they want to play in the team. They've either got to go out there. Listen, you've got to play for the team and you've got to have a, a, a good foundation or you'll never win anything. Yep. But sometimes the players have got to take it on responsibility on themselves and, uh, and prove it. And, and, and so that we can compete with these players. We have got the technical ability, but for, what happens with them is the fact that they've been dropped and that's... that's yep. that. That's why they stick to the manager's orders. Absolutely. You know, we've always had those technical players, but sadly, the managers 
generally don't pick them. That's been the problem. And by the way, my magic moment was Salah's, uh, Salah's brace. I thought it was fantastic. And that, that cross from Shakiri was just yeah. unbelievable. His touch, sublime. His finish, even better. And, uh, you know, a top, top marksman and, and a player on top of his game. And, you know, form, form is temporary. Class is permanent. You know, and, and Liverpool have got the class and they will bounce back. I can't believe... Oh, make no mistake. The I ball. can't believe some of the things too. So get rid of Klopp. <laughs> it's like, oh. you're just thinking, these people on the same planet as us. I mean, are they but really I that think, stupid? I think, you've got to take that, I think you've got to take that with a pinch of salt. Because I think you have to. People, people, some of these people, what they do, they do it cause a bit of a disturbance or, yeah. or arguments and get people at it. Yeah, I'm sure, I'm sure they must do because people can't be that That's stupid. That's why I never buy, I never buy it with all like that. No, I, I never. And I, and I think another bit of PR this week was uh, Emma Hayes for the Wimbledon job. I mean, come on. A female English manager stroke coach going into the you men's game. Do you think that's going to happen? Sorry? Do you think it's not going to happen? I don't think it will at the moment, no. I think it's well, still... Oh, I, I didn't say it the most. Do you think that won't happen? Listen, there's a new new with these politically correct people. Yeah. I'll give it to you. They will be a, there will be a woman manager of a professional football team in the four divisions. Certainty. I think there may be TC in time, but the problem the problem will be. The women's game is a completely different game to the men's game. Do you know something? The mindset is different as well. I was talking to Woody about it and he says, imagine coming into the dressing room. Look, the thing is, if I went in and I got my coaching badges and managed at a top team or a men's team, they'd look at me and think, who the bloody hell are you? We ain't listening to you. What have you done in the game? And players are like that. The higher that you go. Make no mistake, you're right. Yeah. That part, that part players are like that. Yeah, yeah. Right? But it's, it's the only profession, it's the only profession where you cannot play football, get yeah. a coaching badge, and yeah. they to teach people how to play football. And it's incredible. Right? And then, listen, there will be a woman manager because this is what they want in. Mm-hmm. You've look how it all is now. The football's on seven days a week. Yep. On seven days a week. Mm. There's people managing football. There's a guy at Grimsby, Colin Paulers. Yep. Listen, John said to me, Dad, please don't. I don't give a damn. I speak how I want to speak about football. It goes to it goes to Ipswich. Is there 49 days, 149 days he gets the sack. Yep. Couldn't win a game or won very little game. Yep. He goes to Scunthorpe. They're near the bottom of the league. He gets the sack, and he and he now gets so he gets the um, Grimsby job, yeah. right? The other manager, Holloway, has had more sack. He's had more sack. He's been sacked more times than a farmer has sacked potatoes, yeah. right? And then he gets and I tell them, listen, you can see you can see how they go about it. Yeah. Not only will Grimsby get relegated. They will finish up like York City. You've heard it first on here because yeah. I, I don't beat behind the bush. That's what will happen. I guarantee you I can see what you've only got to look at the players he's signing now. Mm. For me, he's preparing himself for the conference league. 
But there are people about... How that, did they get jobs? How did they get jobs? I, 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 I honestly don't know. I mean, the, the, you're going to get a scenario going forward, and I don't know how long it's been, and I know that it's been mooted in the past, and I'm sure somewhere it's happened or they've certainly been interviewed, but you're going to get someone that's played on Football Manager or FIFA and yeah. has got a team to win the Champions League. Listen, They're going to give him a job. Happens in this country. It's, incre- it's, it's just stupid. It's incre- It really is incredibly daft and stupid, but that's the way... The game is going. Everybody thinks that they're a coach or a manager and they can go and get a piece of paper and they've got the badge and they think that they can go and manage. I had this argument when before Frank Lampard. I had someone on Facebook telling me that Emma Rays should go from managing Chelsea women to Chelsea men because she's doing a great job. I'm like, give your head a wobble, for God's sake. The, the players killer. would laugh at her. They she would. Absolutely. Absolutely. It will happen. Because what anybody yeah. tells me, it will happen. Mm. Look at the jockeys nowadays. Are they who? Jockeys. There were never women jockeys in, mm. in my... And it's weak with them now. But that's a different scenario. Yeah, it is. Right? It's a different scenario because it's the weight where the, where, where the boys have seemed to have got more heavier nowadays. Mm-hmm. Right? But football... Right? You want Listen, I will tell... From a strong source, a really strong source, that Frank Lampard had lost a dressing room with the players. Yeah. And I would tell they were over happy. And I liked Frank and I thought Frank would do well there. But it's somewhat radically wrong. Yeah. Right? You've I mean, you looked at that Alonso. He's never looked a bad player. He looked a different player than this manager compared to Frank and Frankie won't even put him in, in squad near yeah. mine uh, on bench. Yeah. You know, so you can imagine uh, you know, a, a woman, and especially they don't get the results. And so, whether it's right or whether it's wrong, when you get the elite athlete, I think they're going to be taught by a woman. No. No. No, the way. When we talk like this, they're going to say, oh, you said, it's not to do with racism. It's nothing to do with. Uh, sexism it's nothing to do with anyism it's a fact of the dressing room and you give a female coach the t- a, a top job in in men's football and the players will just laugh at her and the press well, will hammer her because they be respect as a woman oh yeah right? but they, they crucify it in yeah. a different way those those dressing rooms mm. they that's one of the reasons why a lot of people don't settle in. Yeah. There's that much Michael taking, mm. right? Yeah. It, it goes on too far sometimes. Mm. And it can make and break certain players. Yeah. And some players do it because they want to make sure that they, you know, that player is not playing particularly. Listen, you don't realize it until you get out of it and you get older and you get wiser. And then mm. you think, well, you can see why certain players did that to certain other players. Yeah. You know. But they listen. They would they would crucify it, not not face to face, but they would do it in a more cunning mm. way because you, you can't say anything nowadays. You're mm. either racist, sexist, mm. you know, it just gets worse. There's, there's, 
the country gets worse. And the press will. The intrusion that the first female football manager stroke coach gets will be incredible. It will be on the front page, the back page, the centre pages. They won't be able to... They wouldn't know whether they're Arthur or Martha within a week. It'll be an absolute nightmare for them. Another nightmare at the moment and a bit of a plea here. Backpass magazine, they, uh, they're suffering... Yeah. And uh, I did put a, there's an appeal out there and I've put it on the Facebook and on the Current View, uh, on Facebook, The Current View and on Twitter, at Current View. So uh, guys, if you can help, back past uh, the appeal, go online and uh, drop an email to editor at backpassmagazine.com. Dot uk and as I say, if you can help, it's a wonderful magazine. You featured in there, Alan Hudson's featured in there, Kenny Ebbett's finished fe- uh, featured in there, uh, in Story Moore's featured in there. Just about every footballer of the past has featured in there. We can't lose such an iconic football magazine that celebrates the careers of so many of our magnificent players of yesteryear so if you can help again editor at backpassmagazine.co.uk many you're thanks un- you're 100 you're 100 right on that and if if, if, we could, if we could help then we should help but yeah. the problem is is the price of 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 the backpack Backpass magazine in these in in in, in, in today's uh, society, what, what's happening in society? People don't have the money, and they can get all the news now on the telephones, can't they? That is your problem. That people that, do want well, things for free, but you know, no, I I subscribe no, I to it. I agree with what you're saying, but what yeah. I'm trying to say is, you know, it's like anything else. Uh, was it Racing Post has a problem? Yeah, every every that's publication. About, yeah, but that's but that's three pound fifty for a yeah. paper. Yeah. For a day, for a day. Yeah. Well, back, 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 back past magazine, it's going up. It, it, hopefully, hopefully it will be okay. But, yeah. you know, for, for five um, issues here, uh, 75 to 80, so you got five issues there. In the UK, it's only 30 quid. I'd pay 50 or 60 quid for that. I mean, guys of our yeah, age. The thing is, the thing is, and you, look, I'm not, I'm not saying it's wrong. Look, if we can save it and help yeah, it, yeah. we do. What I'm trying to say is, under the circumstances of, of the, the world, near mind the country, the mm. world, yeah. people don't have it. That mm. £30, you know, um, people are not working. Yeah. So they just don't have it. They're not spending it on pubs anymore. Because, mm. I'm not saying that they can't go, well, they can't go with pubs, but they'll, get, they'll have beers in the house. Some not all everybody, but somebody just stopped drinking now because of it. Yeah, but that's the problem it has. Mm. And the the, the the mobile phone. I mean, I don't have it coming up with Sky, but it's pinging up. But my two lads will have it on, pinging. It's, it's Sky News. This this is happening in football. That's happening in football. Yeah. You know, this player's going to so and so. So everything you you need to know about. Uh, any football throughout the world, it's there on your telephone now, isn't it? It is, but so the beauty... Magazines, they're going to have to find another way around this because they will, go, they will go by the wayside because everything's going to be electronic. Oh, absolutely, CC. But the beauty of Backpass magazine, it is a, a retro football magazine. So all the stuff that you're going to see in Backpass, you're not going to see on Sky because all that you ever hear on Sky and TalkSport, well, largely all that you hear on there is about the Premier League, the Premier, Premier League. League, the Premier League. This is predated Premier League. So, you know, let's uh, let's find a way of keeping 
this publication going. Mm-hmm. And I've, yeah. I have emailed him today and says, look, if we can be of any service for, for you and to you and associate our name with yours and get an online presence, then we'll, uh, we'll help you uh, with anything that you My need. I'm with you on and on all this, mm. right? Young kids are today different to what we are. They're not really bothered about yesteryear's players. No, absolutely. So, so really what we're appealing to are people over the age of 50, which we are a dying breed, really, because the older we get off, the older that we get, we, we pop off. And you won't spend the money like you do when you were a young lad. When we were footballers, you'd buy every magazine the world, and every football. The football manual is what used to come out. Over yeah. Time. They were great to get, and mm. you bought was presents from the people. Yeah, you did. I mean, I can't, you know, I can't believe I'll go in Asda or Sainsbury's or a supermarket. And, yeah, well, yeah, but I look at, I look at the magazines, and it's gardening, Women's Weekly, the amount of homes and gardens and women's magazines. It's, it's, it, there's, there's hundreds and hundreds. There ain't a football magazine on the shelves and cookbooks. And cookbooks, yeah. And I think, do you know what? This is a, I mean, I don't know how many billion pounds this industry is worth or, or, or earns or, get, you know, puts into the economy of this country. But there's hardly any publications out there that you can go buy and read the written word about football. I think it's quite incredible, really. But, you know, that's the way it's going, I agree sad if if you lose these type of things yeah i mean i've set up uh, a football memorabilia because people have said to me can they post on my and i don't mind them posting on my on my wall yeah um but then you get other people saying you know this is a 60s this is a 70s 80s football thing so why are we putting them on so i've set that up yeah because it is nice to look at these old programs, or if you absolutely if you buy one of these old programs, yep, you know, or a, an old football magazine, or an old football, uh, you know, shoot, uh, shoot annual uh, Christmas uh, book come out, you know, those yep. type of things. People have got these, and if people might want to buy them, just just for sake of having one, what the, they didn't get when they were a kid, yeah, hundred so, percent. So I've set that up now, and uh, and I've said to to uh, Mark Addy, he has hundreds and hundreds of uh, programs yeah um and i said i'll set this up and then anybody but wants to sell uh, anything to do with football mem- memorabilia whether it's everton whether it's wimbledon whether it's sheffield wednesday they can put it on there and the, the, without anybody moaning and groaning about it because you know it's any mortal thing that they want to sell that somebody might even at southampton think oh peter was good I'll take, I'll, I will buy a photograph for that because I, even though I went to Southampton fan, I, I, I like Peter Osgood. You know what I mean? That yes. type of thing. Yeah. So we set that up, uh, me and Mark had it. And uh, for anybody wanting to sell anything on the, uh, on anything about uh, football or memorabilia, uh, have a look on uh, Terry Curran's memorabilia and post it on there. Absolutely, too. So, and we'll be putting it on the current view as well, because you know we're all, um, you know, working for the same project. Uh, another project that I'm working on, TC, game of the seventies. I'm going to be uh, contacting a number of football players to talk about the iconic game that they played in the seventies. I'm going to be getting your take on the Boxing Day massacre. I'm going to be getting uh, Kenny Ibbett's take on the Wolverhampton Wanderers versus Bolton when that game 
ultimately, because Wolves won and Kenny scored that winning goal, it promoted you guys, Nottingham Forest, while you were on the plane on the way to Spain. Yep, Jonathan Milinos. Yeah. <laughs> they got beat by uh, Bolton. Uh, did they Bol- beat Bolton? Bolton and um, Bolton were playing Wolves. Wolves. You guys were were in the sky Wolves at the time. Won. Wolves won one now. What ha- what had happened? <clears throat> they got a free kick. Well, Willie Carr and and Kenny Ibbitt they practiced free kicks because Willie Carr was the free kick king of yep. the seventies. And what happened? He just tap Kenny to say go and jump over the ball but Kenny just he stood to touch the ball so it was it was live and the player the players come out the wall then so Willie Carr just you know had to go to you know kick it but didn't just feign to kick it and they backed off and then he just chipped it over and he was just about onside scored Scored the goal, it nestled in the corner of uh, of Bolton's net, and as a consequence, then Nottingham Forest got promoted. and And that game and that goal, you could say, I said to Kenny, I was talking to Kenny uh, the other day, that that changed the course of of Nottingham Forest's history. It did absolutely, history. and also. European football because not only did they go on and win the league, they won the European Cup back to back. The best team I played against that year, and now they didn't go up, was Bolton. Yeah. They well, they didn't go up because Kenny scored. <laughs> yeah. But they, they played some great football. Yeah. They played... Uh, Ian Greaves. Yeah, Greaves. Ian Greaves was a manager. They yeah. played. They had a centre-half there called Paul Jones. Really yeah. played for them. They, they were a great team. Len Cantello. Um, and we, we got up. Right. When you, you talk about... <clears throat> listen, that, there's that incident... Is that in- incident what uh, Wolves beat Bolton? Yeah. Uh, I was out. They hadn't won for a month. And Fluffy uh, got me to play in two games. Mm. They pushed me back. Right? And then when he pushed me back, he said to me, we need to, uh, I need to be careful with you because I don't want to, I had to finish with the same type of injury with your, with my knee. Yeah. But I scored a winning goal against Eriford. And we drew up at Carlisle, and then he left me out against, and that's when I lost it with Cluffy. Uh, he left me out against Southampton at, at uh, the City Ground. But I scored at Everyford. Uh, we won one nil. So little things like that, and yeah. the bolt thing. If we don't, if we don't go up with those type of things, history of Nottingham Forest may never uh, uh, have got to what it what it got to because, but. What I have to say, once they got up, that what Cluffy achieved with Nottingham Forest to get lesser than anybody else. hundred percent. For me, the, yeah. the, 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 the the Forest thing, I thought there were five. You could say five world class players. Mm. Frank Clark was a good player. Larry Lloyd was a good player. Kenny Burns was a good player. Uh, John McGovern was a good player. Martin was a good uh, player. Was a good mm. player. But then you got Schultz. You know, world class Anderson, Woodcock, Robertson, yeah. um, Boyer. So when you look at it, they only had five, you would say, really, really great, great or world class players and then five, Trevor Francis, the other one. Yeah. You know, what he achieved there is incredible. But when you look at it, you've got Hamburg, what's been in and around the, the, the German Championship, uh, second division. For a right few years, mm-hmm. and, and Malbo, right? But sweet, 
they're one of the bigger clubs in Sweden is Malmö, but they're not an elite club in Europe. Because I was surprised when we played in Europe at Everton. You know, you're playing the early rounds. You're just playing non-diplomed teams. We yeah. played a team from Ireland. We played an army team in Czechoslovakia. We didn't play anyone until we got to semi-final, which yeah. was Bayern Munich. Mm. And the, and the Everton beat uh, Rafik Biena yeah. in the final. So a lot of these European teams weren't the great teams. It's, <clears throat> when you look at Europe itself, you've only got Real Madrid, Bayern Munich, Juventus, uh, Barcelona. Mm. But what's happened since my time, the other Spanish teams have improved no end technical, with technical ability. Yeah. Because the, the Spanish were like the, the Argentinians. They were good players, but they just wanted to kick people. Mm. And then... They had uh, Guardiola, what changed the mentality. When I say Guardiola, well, Guardiola and the guy at um, Real Madrid, Bosques, yeah, right, it changed the way of, of, of the Spanish football. And they got really technical and played with the tempo. But Europe, Europe itself have improved where it, we stood still. We went a long ball game, and, mm. and in Europe, they went and improved their players by signing technical players and, and working more on technical than, than the physical side of it and that's why we fell behind everyone else because it's, it, everybody's advanced barry knows well we've advanced a bit better now because of the, the foreign coaches and the foreign players <coughs> you're struggling there tc you got a bit of a cough yes i had i had a bit of a cough yeah Book Corner TC is another regular feature that we do on the weekly podcast. The uh, current view of the Audibles, but at Mr. Terry Curran, you first book this week. Thou shalt not pass the anatomy of football centre half by Leo Monaghan. And I'm going to be doing an, uh, a chapter of my life interview with uh, with Leo very shortly. But the centre-halves, how have they changed through the years? How's positions in football changed? I mean, you, we've always had ball-playing centre-halves. I mean, we touched upon a book uh, a couple of weeks ago by John Leonard um, about Neil Franklin. Neil, back in the 50s, was a ball-playing centre-half. So we have always had them, but I think it's going to be a tremendous book looking at all the great centre halves that we've had it's a British uh, centre halves I believe but um, I'm not 100% but I will be 100% when I talk to Leo about his book that's coming out later this month a couple of centre halves that um, that you enjoyed playing against or playing with or watching TC who's your favourite centre halves well McFarland and Todd yeah um and I've got Mark McFarland and Todd, uh, Anson and Lawrenson. Yeah. There were plenty. The, 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 you see, what we call what we call defenders, I mean, we, I hear people talk about defenders in my day and then defenders now. Defenders in my day, the reason why you could, people said, oh, these were good players, you know, majority of them would, would stop the game passing by, by fouling you. And I mean brutally fouling yes. you. And what they do today when they say, "Oh, this team can defend," Mourinho's been the been the, the been the master of it, uh, by this last five, six, seven years, where he's he's built two older midfield players and protected the back four. Yeah. So, but when I look at great great centre backs, 
would be Lovinson and Amis, uh, and Anson and, and Thompson from Liverpool here, uh, McFarlane and Todd at um, at um, Derby. Mm. Jack, I mean Jack would be more technical than people realise. A hunter, yeah. right? Because you you saw Jack go bombing bombing on uh, without the ball and even with the ball. If you put old clips on of Leeds United, you will see some some attacking football from the defence. Absolutely, two full backs. Mm. But what what makes me laugh about him? And I said, oh, these are great defenders. No, in the, in our day, what they did, great. What all these defenders that maybe I weren't a great player, but I could always stop them who thought they could play. Yeah, and what they do today. The, they get two old midfield players in, and mm. they protect the back four. Yeah, right. Everybody, everybody's been slaughtering uh, John Stone. I was the only one what still kept saying, "I don't give a damn what they tell me." Yep. This kid's a player, you know, and he's fought his way back into Manchester City's team. We don't know what problems had, but I know he's had pr uh, private problems. Mm. But it looks as though he's got them sorted out and. Not only is he playing well, Manchester City are playing well. I mean, I like to see great players, Berezi, those type of players. You know, there's always been great players around. Yeah. Make no mistake about it. And the 1930s, the Austrian team, they were built on that centre half and, and that, that player getting the ball and bringing it out from the back as well, wasn't they? Well, the Continentals, what they had, yeah. they would play a midfield player. Yeah. As a sweeper, yeah. Libro. They called it the Libro. Yeah. And they would come breaking out. They would come breaking out of the back and bring and bring the ball forward mm. and make, you know, um, whereas we would have stoppers. And then we tried to play that, but we would have three rigid centre halves. Yeah, you know, we played Keon, um, Tony Adams, right? Yeah, and Butcher that type, them type of players. Yeah, and Steve players, Bold. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. play them. You know, and they weren't the ones what had come out with the ball. Yeah. You know, Southgate would come out and play out. I mean, Southgate weren't a bad player. For me, I, I thought Southgate was a better player than what people gave him credit for because he could play, yeah, he he was, could yeah. play the ball. And again, you he know. played in a three, didn't he? He played with, yeah. with Paul McGrath and Big Hugo. Brian Little brought him into Villa. But, but what happened, but the thing is about English football, it's just thumped into box with six foot four centre halves, mm. and Southgate is what, five foot 11? Something like that, yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. He was so, bought as a midfield player. So when you're going to throw balls into box, you know, and and, and the, when they could get away with it and knock people about, whereas the Continentals would just drop off. Yeah, and they would read the game better, and then they come out with the ball. Whereas we would try and win the ball, you know, uh, and try and compete. And a small centre half is never going to compete with a big centre forward playing balls into box and. They could. I mean, they used to say in my day. Well, you need to. You need your arms to, to push yourself off for that leverage. You can't. You can't use your arms nowadays, or you get booked for it or sent off. I know it's crazy. You know. It's... So for me, uh, great centre halves. I would. I would say Hunter was a great centre half. You know, uh, Berezi was, McFarlane was, Todd was. Them's the my. Them's the players I want to sign and play in my team. Absolutely, too. So not, I don't want the players what's going to boot somebody up. Up it out and boot somebody, boot the ball up it. I want them to understand the game and beat the game. Those are those are the ones that I would be looking for. Absolutely. So thou shalt not pass the anatomy of football's centre halves by Leo Monaghan.
out soon and an interview to follow. Just while I'm talking about interviews, my latest podcast, A Chapter of My Life with author David Tossel. His book, All Crazy Now, is coming out on the 15th. That's up on the uh, the current view and my socials as well. Second book uh, this week, The Greatest Comeback from Genocide to Football Glory, The Story of Bella Gutman by David Bolshover. It came out a few years ago, but it's an absolutely remarkable story and one that I've got to get my teeth into when I start working I can sit down and read a book Um, I'm starting to read Grandad What Was Football Like in the 70s you get quite a few mentions by Richard Crooks so that's one I've already started this one I'm going to start shortly do you know anything about Bella Gutman before we uh, crack on with this TC? No, I don't. No, it, I don't. It was remarkably Gutman was he was a Holocaust survivor, and right. uh, yeah, he was. Um, he, he was. Well, you becoming an anorak on football. No, I, football. I, I just love. It. I mean, it says it remarkably Gutman was also a Holocaust survivor, having narrowly dodged death by hiding for months in an attic near Budapest, as thousands of fellow Jews in the neighbourhood were dragged off and only to be murdered by the uh, the Nazis. Gutman later escaped from a slave labour camp. His father, sister and wider family were all murdered. But by 1961, as coach of Benfica, he'd lifted football's greatest prize, the European Cup, a feat he repeated the following year, rising from the death pits of Europe to become its champion in just over 16 years. Gutman performed the single greatest comeback in football history. So... Bella Gutman, an absolute legend of the game, is book number two. And the third book, we always have one uh, a pick from Alan Hudson. George Rayner, the greatest coach that England never had. Another book that I brought on the strength of Huddy uh, advising me and educating me on football. He, uh, he managed Sweden in the 1958 World Cup final, did uh, George Rayner, but couldn't get a job back in England, sadly. Incredible. I wonder why that is. I, I mean, don't we, don't, know. we all know, we all know why Brian Clough. We all know why Brian Clough didn't get the job because yeah. they they were fearful of how he spoke mm. uh, to to his own directors. Yeah, they yeah. they thought they were uh, above that type of thing. So, and that's the only reason why he didn't get it, the Brain Club. I mean, I love, I I get as much enjoyment watching a, a great centre back playing football, coming out with the ball and passing. Yeah. yeah. That I do watching great players. I mean, yeah. you always want to see uh, technically gifted midfield players and uh, forward players, but I get as much enjoyment watching an Anson play and that type of player. Absolutely, uh, went out with the ball. Make no mistake. Absolutely, too. But so. I like to see great, great defenders. What can defend? What don't c- commit themselves and sell themselves, and put, not only put themselves out of out of the game, but put his teammates out of the game because he's, you know, he's having a, a rush of blood as they would say in my ear, to his head uh, and trying to take the to man out. When you've got clever players, what can uh, jump over that type of tattle? And it's always going to put your team in a, uh, in a prepare, precarious, precarious, precarious um, position. So, well, situation. But uh, at the end of the day, I'd, I like to see great, great players, whatever position they are, whether it's full-backs, midfield players or attacking players. Absolutely, TC. And the Guinness Book of Records called him the most successful 
football coach in history. But English-born George Rayner is the great unknown of British football. His remarkable successes, coaching amateur Sweden to an Olympic gold medal and a World Cup final. I did not I didn't know. In the 58, I did not yeah, know. George um, Rayner. Was an Englishman. Yeah, absolutely. I thought yeah. you just told me. They were contrasted bizarrely by uh, by how he was treated by those in the uh, heady years in England. Months after becoming the first Englishman to take a side to the World Cup final, where he pit his skills against the Brazilians of Pele and Garincha, yeah. Rainer was scratching a living coaching Skegness Town in the Midland League. In fact, when Alan went to Skegness, uh, Butlins, I think it was, either Butlins or Pontins back then, on a family holiday, George Rayner was coaching Alan Hudson there. And he said, I didn't realise till many years after when I researched about George Rayner. He says, but that's a, that was a fella that was teaching me to coach on a family holiday. He got Sweden to the uh, World Cup final against Pelé. It's quite incredible how the English disregard coaches and managers like George Rayner. They're done with Jimmy Hogan and it, it really isn't... And it baffles me. Yeah, it, it really is incredible me. why we've never won anything, really, the way he that we run our great, game. He writes some great stories, as uh, Alan Hudson. Oh, he's a fantastic he's writer, writer, isn't he? Yeah, fan- absolutely. I mean, I've played the game and you, you see, you, I, I look at it and I read it and I think, you know, he's so right what he's saying. Mm. And how players are know, If it causes him problems, then I understand the manager doing it. Yeah. But when Alan writes the stories, it is it's phenomenal what what he writes about. And now, because make no mistake, he got trapped by certain managers, you know. But the but there were the players going out drinking, you know, like of course like they were, yeah, 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 right. But they got away with it. Mm. They got away with it. But because he was, those players, or he may have been with the bird and drinking, those other players might have been uh, up the manager's ass and and uh, just having a drink, but not going out birding. So they always want to write stories about Udi, you know. I mean, Tony Kirby, would have, that would have uh, a shame. And because Tony weren't a drinker, he would have shy. But for, for some own reason, for some, un, for some unknown reason, we in this country... English cultures, mm-hmm. eight. Well, I'm saying eight. I think it's jealousy. I think because these weren't great, great players, the, 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 you know, they were jealous of these great players. Yeah, it's, it, it is when really people, incredible. When people like it or not, that's mm-hmm. how I looked at it. Absolutely, so you see. Yeah, when absolutely. I look at Charlie George plays 67 minutes for England. Yeah. And I see players what's played for England, and he plays 67 minutes. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that, that hurts me as much as anything else in football when it's, I see that. It is. It's just absolutely incredible how we've always overlooked our better players. But you can hear Alan Hudson every month on uh, on our other podcast, My Life, My Music, and I'll be with Udi this Sunday. So it should be coming out within a couple of uh, couple of weeks. Six songs that Udi picks, and we talk about the uh, stories behind the, the, uh, the tracks of one of English football's greatest uh, talents and characters. Time Vault. TC, we're almost up for time, by yeah. the way. I can hear that vacuum. Time flies. Yeah, it does. We're up to 71 now, episodes. It's, un- it's unbelievable, isn't it? Yeah, I know. I was going to say. think what doesn't fly is 
this COVID. Oh, no. It seems to be dragging on and on and on. Oh, doesn't it just? But Time Vault, uh, in association with Football Masters Online Magazine, Andrew Palmer does a fantastic job there and uh, always looking at the game of yesteryear, you know, those halcyon days of the golden ages of football. But a player that we're going to have a brief talk about in Time Vault this week is Willie Carr. We did talk about Willie yeah. earlier, the... the uh, the free, the free kick at uh, uh, Yeah, free kick king. I mean, that that, that goal, uh, October 1970, the donkey kick where he flicked it up and Ernie Hunt scored. Magnificent and great that it was recorded by TV cameras as well. Willie joined, um, joined Coventry in 67 to uh, 75, played 252 games. He went to Wolverhampton Wanderers, played seven seasons there, 237 games. So a guy from Glasgow plied his trade in the Midlands. And I've had a word with uh, with uh, Kenny Ibbett, and as I say, we're going to do a, a podcast with Willie shortly. And then he went on and played eight games for Millwall before he went to uh, non-league football. And I believe he's still in the Midlands area uh, today, 71 years of age, Willie Carr, born on the 6th of January 1950. Did you ever Give come across... Regards when you speak to him, and get any my regards, will you? Yeah, will do. Did you play against uh, those those guys, Willie I and, and against, Kenny? I played against uh, Kenny Ibbett on, on many occasions. In yeah. fact, Kenny Ibbett will tell you, you ask him, uh, I was at a do um, Stevie Kinden because uh, he's brilliant after dinner speaking. Yeah, he's, he's nice. I think Terry Kivens in here. He said there were five players that Bill McGarry always had players to mark. Yeah. Uh, Francis, Curry, um, what was the other one? Francis, Curry, I was one of them. Uh, Hudson, there's another one. Uh, so you ask any of it about... Uh, Bill McGarry with me because he hated playing against he hated me playing against Wolves with Bill McGarry yeah we, we always did well I always did well against him I did well for Southampton against him I did Forest against him but uh, I played against Kenny many a time yeah and you also him, done... and, him and his brother Terry they were two great players oh absolutely and you also I'll give him my regards, won't you? I will do, TC. And you also done very well in the football forecast last week, TC. You won it again, so you once more pick the uh, the music tonight. Six four lead it is now, TC. You're, uh, you you've stolen march on me. Tottenham and Chelsea have just kicked off as we speak. First game uh, this weekend in our forecast. They Villa... were shocking. Well, they were shocking the other day, Tottenham. Yeah, I know, I know. I mean, I watch paint dry. I don't mean to be horrible because no, I know. I'd rather watch paint dry than watch some of his teams play. It's the way he sets up, isn't it? He's you know, parks the bus. Um, in fact, I was listening to Talk Sport and uh, Paul Hawksby says today, I hope Chelsea score first because at least Tottenham will try and come out and play. But uh, are Villa and Arsenal gonna come out to play on uh, on Saturday? And what? How do you see it going? Well, I thought Arsenal was a bit unlucky. Um, yeah, I did. Wolves. They were playing some good football against sent off. But I did fancy Wolves and I had a Bobby Cooper and Wolves. But mm. I, I, I did thought they play well. I'm go- Where's this at? Is this at Villa. Arsenal? Villa. Mm. I'm going to go for a 1 0 Arsenal. 
Right, okay. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go one-one. Uh, I, I think the best that Villa can get at the moment is a draw because Arsenal aren't a bad side, and you know Villa need to up the game a little bit. They looked as though they were top six looking up. They, to me, at the moment, look as though they're a top six looking down at the moment. But, um, you know, uh, hopefully they'll get their A game back and beat, well, get a draw. And that will uh, certainly give me one up this weekend, TC. Second up is Newcastle versus Southampton. What a shoeing they got this week at United. Well, they did, but they, they had five. Uh, players out here. Yeah, did, yeah. They can't, afford, they can't afford to have five players. No, they here. can't. The young boy, I felt sorry for him. Yes, I understand why they sent him off because it was a, it was a vicious tackle. Yeah. But did the occasion get to him, his debut and everything else, playing at Old Trafford, yeah. bar, 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 television, you know, a, a booking and a stern warning in, for me would have been uh, a, a ideal. But United were on fire and it's funny that that's twice he's had two dubbins on nine, isn't it? Yeah, I know. You've got so, to feel for him. I mean, I looked at him walking off the pitch and you thought, geez, you look yeah. as though you need an arm around your shoulder, mate. I don't know how you're going to get the players but, up. But, but for me, they've had a great season. The players oh, yeah? Players yeah, I like them. Uh, and to be honest, they, they nearly scored first. It's uh, Southampton. Yeah. Before, he got sent off. So you never know, do you? But yeah. I think they've had a good season. Uh, so... And I like the way we play football. For me, I'd, I'd take a chance for them at an high-level high level club mean. Um, so it's Southampton, I know, did you say? It's Newcastle versus Southampton at St. James's Park. How do you see it going, TC? I'm, I'm going to go. I thought they played quite well against Everton. I didn't think they deserved to lose against Palace. I'm not saying they should have won it, but I didn't think they deserved to, to get beat. I'm going to go 2-0. Newcastle. 2-0. I'm going to go Newcastle 1, Southampton 2. I think they're going to bounce back, yeah. yeah. They've got players out injured. They've got, they've got a few injuries. I mm. don't think, you know, it, it affects teams like Southampton, Newcastle, when they have five or six players out. Oh, absolutely. To... They can't carry those, can they? A no. team that can carry those injuries, Manchester United versus Everton. Got draw written all over it for me, TC, this one has. 2-0 Man United. OK, I've gone 2-2. Two, two. I think it'll be a Desmond. Barnsley versus another of your old clubs, Derby County. They've got a right shoeing at Rotherham. Ooh, they've had a good result. They've had some good results yeah. lately since Rooney got the job. And then they're going to get 1-1 one, one draw. Right, 1-1 one, one for you. I'm going to go... I'm going to go 2-1 Derby. I've, I've got to push the boat out here. I'm, I'm two games behind. It's 6-4, so I need the win here. Uh, Luton versus Huddersfield. Both need the win there. Will I that get it? 1-0 Huddersfield. Right, 0-1. I'm going 1-0 to Luton. Millwall versus your beloved Sheffield Wednesday. And as we look at the... Yes, the boys are back. When we look at the, you know, let's just have a brief uh, update on the EFL. It's it's hotting up at the top and it's hotting up down the bottom. Awesome. And your boys are uh, three points off mine with uh, a game in hand as well. And Rotherham have got two games in hand. Birmingham City look as though we are in dire straits at the moment. But well, can can uh, Thompson get us out of this? Quagmire we've been in. 
Yeah. No experience. So this is what I keep telling people. All these experienced managers, Monk, we've had experience. Uh, Pulis, we've had experience. Never looked like we're going to win games under, the, under mm. those two. Thompson comes in, never been a manager, and he's got he's, he's got the team playing some good football, not great, but playing some good football, and played on the front foot. He knows he has to win matches. Uh, so I'm going to go for a... A 2-0 Sheffield Wednesday. It's the only time this week, TC, I've agreed with you because I've, just as you were talking, I wrote Millwall nil Sheffield Wednesday too. And I'm also going to do the same scoreline in the last game, Wickham versus Nottingham Forest. Although Wickham got a good result, well, draw against my boys in midweek. Mind you, that don't say much. No, listen, Forest got a great result in midweek. I'm going to go 2 0 Forest. Yeah, 2 0, same here. Right then, TC, let's hope that we're all singing the blues uh, on Saturday. And what song are you going to go out with this week? I'm going to go on, um, it's an old please song, right? Yep. Don't stand, right? What is it? Don't stand, what is it called now? Don't stand so close to me. Don't stand so close to me. I'm going to go out with a please uh, song. So, uh, with the COVID is about, so I thought we'll, we'll play that. Don't stand so close. <laughs> Quite apt, TC. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Thank you, TC, for uh, for, for being part of, of this project and this uh, this podcast, The Current View. And love to you and yours, to Jock and everybody. And um, happy birthday to the uh, former mother-in-law this week, 80. Oh, yes. yes it was her birthday with Jock's uh, last Friday. Yes, it was, yeah. Friday. Uh, Alice is what six it's in January some sometime eight is it something like that. I don't know where it was. Um but it was Jock's last Friday. That's what it was when you saw that uh, video. It was, they were they had a little get together with um, his mother's yeah and his grandmother went over. Um so it was Jock's birthday. Uh but no, love to yours. I hope everybody enjoys this uh what listens to it. And let's hope that we all get uh, the results that we want for our teams. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, TC. Till next time. Catch you later, mate. Catch you later, buddy. See you later. Bye. Young teacher, the subject of school girlfriend. To see, she wants him so badly, knows what she wants to be. Inside her, there's longing. This girl's an open page, bookmarking. She's so close now. This girl is half his age.